you turn your Bibles to our very first text, and that is Matthew chapter 7. Uh, what, what, what is it? Okay, what is it again? And one more time? Matthew 7. This is our first text we're going to go to. And uh, I would say Matthew 7 is uh, the first five verses of the chapter. I don't even care if you remember the, the, the verses, just what, what chapter? Matthew 7, when you go there, because I think this is, the, this is a passage that is critical to every relationship, every person, every marriage. This is kind of the one that goes throughout our entire time together, okay? This is how we're to think about what we're talking about here. This is how we're to process it. This is how we're to look at it. Are you there? Okay, what chapter? And what book? Okay, so we're there. <laughs> Sounds like a cult. <laughs> okay, here, here we go. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you, you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Why do you see the speck that is in your sister's eye? But do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, how can you say to your sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is like this giant, ginormous, all the Greek is all in that, uh, log in your own eye, you hypocrite. By the way, Jesus is saying this. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, and if you want to uh, take a look at a passage, this is not what you say to gain friends, <laughs> right? I mean, this is not the feel-good kind of talk. Jesus is just like hitting at it, and he's like, you hypocrite. First, take first, uh, which, not third, not second, not tenth, but what? First. Take the ginormous log, that's how we're to be thinking about it, out of your own eye. Then, then, underline that, I would encourage you, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, out of your sister's eye. A few things here with this text. Uh, how you measure matters. How you measure matters. Um, we see that in verses 1 and 2. Judge not that you not be judged for the judgment you pronounce. You will be judged with the measure you use. It will be measured of you. Uh, I've got a tape measure here, and tape measures measure things, right? And, and it rolls up, and, and it has different uh, uh, units on it. And with a tape measure, you measure. And so it's like this text says, listen, if, if you measure people like this, like that long, Guess what? The idea is, is the Lord's going to use that same measure on you. If you measure people like this, like let me put it this way. If you're the real hard guy, if you're the real hard woman that's just always going around and like in big, long, hopefully this won't fall down and hit you, in big, long ways, you are measuring people and you are the hard person, guess what? That's coming. And this is the kind of text that should scare the living bejeebers out of us. Instead, it's like this. Listen, if you're the person 
that's more measuring people like this. By the way, it's not saying don't measure people. We don't walk around as the measuring police. But as a body together, we are to be in each other's lives. That's a fact. But, but if we go around like this, we'll be measured with this. I just ask as we get started, how do you measure other people? And married couples, I don't know if you're coming in tonight and you're like, man, this, I'm so excited about this. Because the person on my right, the person on my left, man, they need to hear what's going on. Okay? In fact, I would say pull it in. And it's only about as wide as the chair you're sitting in. Okay? And that's what the idea of the text here is. How you measure matters. Also, who you measure matters. The idea coming out of the text here is is that we're to see our own sin much, much bigger than other people's sin. And let's just be frank about it. It's really easy to be hard about other people's issues and really easy on ourselves, isn't it? Me too. It really is. And yet the idea is here that Jesus is saying is, listen, you need to be hard about your sin. Yeah, but I'm only 5% of the problem. Then be 100% about your 5%. Got it? Yeah, but you don't know my wife, man. She's 60% of the problem. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that. Just get after your 40% with 100% of who you are. Okay, that's what it's talking about. Be about 100% of your sin, of your issues is what Jesus is saying. And and, and singles, couples, uh, that needs to be carried through tonight and tomorrow. And every day. What's the chapter? Matthew 7. Matthew 7. So let me pray. I'm just going to ask with your heads bowed that you would take a minute before the Lord and you would commit to being only as wide as the seat you're sitting in. Okay, could you do that right now? Just as your head stay bowed, just remind, we are all broken people in this room. This room is full of broken people, and certainly me included. No one's arrived. We're all growing and changing. We're broken. But as uh, Pastor Chris mentioned, if you know Christ as your Savior... Your identity is the redemption that Christ provides. Thank him for it right now, would you? Cling to his identity. Lord, we pray these things as broken people (laughs) 
who only have identity in our, of ourselves, as Ephesians talked about, of sin. That's our identity. But because of the work of Christ, our identity can be all new. We hold to that. Lord, I pray for great humility in their room. Pray for great humility in our time. Pray for hope. Pray for restoration. Just steps. Just steps, Lord. Pray for joy. And Lord, I pray for uh, Pastor Nick and for Chris Alley right now on a jet somewhere over the sea headed to Romania. And uh, we just pray you'd go before them. They would be able to teach well, serve well. Thank you for this place. Oh, my word, thank you. In Christ's name we pray, right? Because he's our identity. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right. Um, I've got a whiteboard here, and they get to use this back in the kids' ministry and I just want to use it. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of got to use the screen stuff, so I get to use it. So uh, here's what I want for you, some input from you. I want for you to think about uh, other people, like friends of yours, okay? Uh, uh, one word descriptions of why people, friends, people you've heard about, Certainly not you, maybe you. Uh, one word descriptions of why people get married. Just send them out. What, what, what are some words? <laughs> what else? What's that? Love? True love. There we go. Someone's on the table with it. All right, absolutely. What else? Children, money. <laughs> Children, less money. What else? Was it? Help me, babe. Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> what? Any others for the deaf man? Security and happy. <laughs> Pressure from parents. I'm even going to put uh, because uh, had to. Okay. Okay. Uh, mm. Alone not. How's that? <laughs> Obligation? Is that okay, good. 
I, and I know you probably can't see them all there. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I want to start out here with just things. So why? Why get married? What's behind the whole thing? And so I want to go to a second key passage. What was the first one? Matthew, Matthew 7. And uh, get the log out of your eye. Um, uh, uh, take your sin more seriously than other sin. And then the next one is Genesis 1 through 3. What is it? Okay, so we go back to the beginning, um, and, and we're going to take a look here at, at, at why marriage, what's behind marriage, how did this whole thing get started. Uh, we're laying foundation, okay? On a foundation, what that means is, on the, the marriage foundation, that's all underground stuff, right? That's the foundation, and so if we're building a skyscraper of marriage, uh, we're here on the foundation, okay? On all the floors of marriage and all the windows and all the uh, interior structure and cabling and everything that's comprised, if you will, in the marriage skyscraper, we're down here. And, and by the way, everything that happens here is held up by here. And generally what people want to do is go, well, I'm on floor seven and we have this issue going on. Help me with that issue. And over here, it's like, I've got this issue and now I've got this issue going. Help me with my issue. And we're doing foundation work. We're laying the grid. We're laying which everything hangs on. And by the way, that, 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 everything in here comes back to here. Okay? So we're laying the what? We're laying the foundation. And what's the first uh, a text? Matthew 7. And the second one is? Okay, let's go there. Let's spend some time in Genesis. Love it. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Would someone just read that out loud? Verse 1. Hmm. That's a huge verse. Because that means that in the beginning, God created like everything, right? He created everything. And so that automatically has a whole lot of information behind it. Number one, there is a God. And number two, everything that has been created has been sourced out of, come out of that God that is. And, and uh, he is. All creation was God's idea. All of it. It didn't happen randomly. God instituted it all. That means that creation and, and, and so many things are God's handiwork. And by the way, if God created, he had to have a purpose for it, right? Um, whether it was just someone thinks he's just bored. Uh, listen, you do things on, for reason and God created for a purpose. So, verse 1. Uh, by the way, now we go through some of the, the days of creation. Let's go over to chapter, I'm sorry, 1, but verse 26. Uh, then God said, after the others, let us make man in our image after our likeness. How crazy cool. There's already a, a, a Trinitarian, if you will, God. Or else he's schizophrenic. Seriously. 
Um, Let us make man, by the way, the word man here is Adam. That sounds familiar, like Adam, right? But the Hebrew word is Adam here, and as he's doing it, so let's make Adam in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created Adam, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them. So, so far, he's created them, he's blessed them, and he's saying something to them, right? God blessed them, and God said to them, this male and this female, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? Yeah. Can you just imagine that moment, verse 31? Listen, God does things in ways to teach. And here's this idea he's put out there at the end of this. It's like this creation takes place, and God, the Godhead stands back and just goes, sweet, this is awesome. This is totally awesome. And by the way, sin was not in the picture yet, right? And by the way, in that realm of his creation includes the fact that God already created Adam, a male and female in his own image. That included with everything else. And God steps back and he goes, that rocks. That totally rocks. That totally blesses my soul. That totally brings me great, great glory. That's spot on, on purpose. That's exactly what I want to have taking place here. He created them. He blessed them. And also he said to them, he gave them a task. He gave them a job. Why am I bringing this up? Because friends, marriage is not man's idea. Um, marriage is not just for tax savings, okay? Um, Marriage is God's idea. And you have to start there, understanding that. And we live in a world that isn't seeing that. In fact, we're living in a world that's kind of like, the whole marriage thing's kind of stupid, And they're thinking about it from the standpoint that it's somehow, in some point in time, mankind put this whole thing in place. And that's not true. Marriage is a Godhead-designed thing, a Godhead-invented thing, a Godhead-made thing. Marriage is first and foremost a vertical thing. Okay? And you have to start there. You have to. Because if not, it becomes all horizontal. And is it horizontal? Absolutely it is. 
But if it starts as a human relationship, everything goes wrong. Why? Because everything becomes human. Because everything becomes about me. Everything becomes about you in that relationship. In fact, Karen and I, and I when we sit down with couples in premarital, and we've, I think some of you are in here and we've told you this, that uh, Karen and I, if you will, later on we'd term it, we got married for the wrong reason. I wanted to marry her because she was my best friend. Because I loved her. Because in it, honestly, if I get right down to it, I married her because I thought she would make me happy. And she has. But that's not the basis of it. Think about this for some of you right now. Because what happens when your spouse isn't making you too happy anymore? What happens then when the feeling of love is like not feeling real deep? Those foundations can crack real quick, real quick. But there's a bigger thing in all this because there's a God thing in there. There's something far bigger than just personal happiness. There's something far bigger than, than, than the love thing, and I love that. And there's something far bigger than just the sex thing, and I love that. It's just us. We're in a conference. <laughs> okay? There's something far bigger because a God design. Our God designed it. Listen, and if you are married, you need to understand this. Your marriage is a God thing. He's interested in your marriage right this moment. It's a big, big deal to him because he is the one who invented it. Let's keep working that through. A God-designed, God-blessed, and here's the word, and the word is team. Team. What's the word? Team. God invented a team. He made them a team. And he blessed this team. And he gave this team a direction and a purpose. And uh, God made a four-letter word what? Team. He made a team. By the way, where, what passage of scripture do you find that in? <laughs> I'm just going to keep drilling it because it's that important. It's that important. Okay? Uh, the word is team. I want for you to write this down. What are we talking about? Here's what marriage is. It's a horizontal team that is about a vertical relationship. Marriage is a horizontal team that's about a vertical relationship. You say it again. Marriage is about a horizontal team that is all about a vertical relationship. It's a horizontal thing that's about a vertical thing. It's not just vertical because it's also horizontal, but it's not just horizontal because it's vertical. They go together in that. Let, let's see this worked out here. Like, can you tell us a little bit more about how this went down? Awesome. That's what Genesis 2 does. Genesis 2 tells us a little bit more about this whole thing that took place. So let, let's go there. Uh, Genesis 1 shows that God designed, uh, blessed, and directed this team. He gave them uh, some kind of God-given purpose. Genesis 2, it's more of a detailed description of it. Let me pick up verse 15, chapter 2. The Lord God 
God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. This is how it all worked out, okay? This is the detail of it. And he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So like, don't eat that fruit, dude. Okay, okay, got it. Don't eat that fruit. Uh, Don't eat that fruit. (laughs) Got it. Uh, Bless Adam. Uh, Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now, wait a second. By the way, I think this is what happened, by the way. I just want for you to know that. I want to get it on the table. I don't think this is just like some creative story. I really, this is how it happened. And God is working things, showing us, doing things in ways that he's doing to teach us things. And it's not like God's like, okay, I created Adam. And then he's like, let's see, let me see how this thing goes. And, and the Godhead's talking together. By the way, Godhead, they're in team. And their team, this team is talking about Adam and it's like, oh man, we're missing something. We're missing something. Uh, God's not doing that. God's creating in a way to show something here. And so we have this picture of Adam is here. He's there alone and, it, and, and God is doing and saying and creating to help us understand. And he's like, I want for all of you to know it's not good for the man to be alone. Hey, men don't like to be alone. But it's not just, it's not just about man. It's the whole principle of it here. He's like, listen, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man uh, called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of heaven and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. He's like, what's the scoop here, man? There's like a, a boy bear and a girl bear. And, you know, I, obviously they're all walking, you know, just like Noah on the ark, you know, kind of thing here. And it's like, bear, we'll do, and lion, because he spoke English. And, and, <laughs> and lion and all. And, and by the way, God is allowing this to take place for Adam to see something. He's kind of like, you know, they, they, they got some, they got friends. <laughs> but where's mine? And uh, where's my helper? Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up his flesh. The rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is at last, bone of my bones and flesh is my flesh, and she shall be called, whoa, man. But she was taken out of man. Hold there. Verse 23. I just don't have time to go into all the details of a number of things here. But I just want to say there's something that we see in this team. That there is a word that we use around here. And it's called together. There's a together thing that's going on here. And... um, God, in this creative creation, by the way, what he's not saying is he's not saying uh, single people and everybody. He's not saying single is bad. He's not saying single is subpar. That's not the point. What he's saying in it is that there is to be a together thing that goes on. Because in it, do you see up above it, together is an alone, I'm going to call it, make my own words, an alone remover. An alone remover. That's the point. 
That's the thing that's going on. God is saying, listen, I created you, and I created you with the intention of relationship. And there's one that's unique here that he brings up, but, but please, with, with the whole vast people that we have here, this is in no way saying like marriage is superior to singleness. Oh, if I ever say that, please just come up and like cut the rest of my hair off. It won't take very long, but... Uh, just with that, that's not what it's saying. Don't understand it that way. It's meaning that we were created to be people in relationship. Life was never designed to be alone. And by the way, I'm just going to say, if you're an alone person, I'll lovingly say you're not living the way God has designed you to be. We're to live in relationship. We're to live in relationship. You can't do life alone, married or single. And by the way, some of the most lonely people I've met at times are married people. There's an alone remover thing that's going on. Uh, Marriage is not all about you. It's not all about me. Uh, Marriage is all about the other. Listen, married couples, you are with the person you've made a covenant relationship with. And you, your job is to make sure that they are never alone. And you're like, oh, please, don't, don't hang on me all the time. <laughs> We're not talking about that alone. Not following them around. We're not even talking at times where it's like, single, married, don't, sometimes you just feel so alone. But in a married relationship thing, it's this kind of thing My wife should never be alone. She may feel alone in life, but she she should know my job is I'm always there, always count on. And singles for you, that should be a trade in you. Is there there, those who are there with you that, that take away the loneliness of life? Are you placing yourself there? Couples, you're to be a team. Marriage is a team sport. Okay? Marriage is a team sport. It's not two free agents hanging out together. It's not a dorm room. It's not. Think of good teams. Good teams have teammates who know their teammates. When I was a little boy, I I dreamed of playing in the NFL. Yeah, that didn't work out so well. But I did play a lot of sports growing up. And man, I've got to tell you, there there were some teams that I had the opportunity to play on that I loved playing on those teams. Why? Because we were about each other. We cared for each other. It's not just about the one person. It's about the uniqueness of the team and all together. On a basketball team, you do not want all guards. On a basketball team, you do not want all centers. On a football team, you do not want all quarterbacks. Everybody has a unique position in it, and you're playing together, and you're learning each other. And, and in football, you would just know which, I knew which side of the line I wanted to run on. Because that was where... The big dude was. (laughs) I don't remember his name back in high school. But I wanted behind his back because he was huge. 
and he was awesome. And yet we would work together. And even, but on the weaker side of the line, we would work. We knew each other. We knew each other's strengths, how things worked. Right? Isn't that true? Because when you're going up there and you're getting ready for a play, you know what they're doing and you know what they're doing and you know what, and you even know some of their strengths and some of their weaknesses in the whole thing. That makes a great team. Great teams are comprised of teammates who play with and for each other. The team is not about them. Listen, the, the worst teammates are the teammates that were all about themselves. And that's the time where you're just like, you want the whole line to part, give the ball to that guy, and just let him have at him. Because <laughs> it's horrible, isn't it? It's about team. It's about team. So with it, I just ask your uh, married a couple questions. Are you, one, seeing your marriage as a God-invented, God-designed thing? It's a divine deal. Hear me. If you're struggling right now, and you're like, but Doug, you don't know her. Doug, you don't know him. Listen to me. Just like Pastor Chris said, you have to go back to your identity. And your identity is found in Scripture. And we have to go back to Scripture and take a look at it. And you're on a team that you've covenanted yourself to. Through thick or thin. And maybe right now it's thick. But good teammates ride through hard times together. They do. I'll just ask married couples, are you a team player? Are you? And by the way, Matthew 7, do not be thinking about the person next to you. I'm talking to you. Are you a team player in your marriage? And the last question I'll ask with married here is, is your spouse lonely? Because if she is, guys, there's your homework. And ladies, if your husband is lonely, there's your homework right there. Because it should, shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. And by the way, loneliness is not built out of how busy or unbusy you are. You can be around all kinds of action and be as lonely as lonely can be. Singles. I want to ask you, do you see marriage through a God-invented lens? Because it is. Oh, and by the way, that then impacts the whole dating thing. Because if it's a God-designed, God-invented thing, and the whole dating thing is at the point of looking for a spouse, then that matters. And this is a God thing and not just a he's, she's hot thing. Okay. Also, I'll say, singles, are you a team player? Are, are you that way? I mean, are you a, a, someone that, that others want to be around and play? And also, I'll say, uh, singles, are you an alone remover? Are you aware of what's going on with your friends? Because hear me, singles, on this. Who you are as a single is who enters into the marriage. And I will tell you, for me, to be frank with you, I just thought when you got married, wham, you got it. 
I'm stupid. I've told you I'm not that smart. And that just proved it. I just thought when you walk down the aisle and you say I do, boom! It's like you got the thing going forever. And uh, yeah, pray for Karen. Okay, let, let, me, let me go here. Uh, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, write this down. Leave, cleave, weave. Leave, cleave, weave. What does it look like, essentially, to be married? It's right there. Leave, cleave, and weave. That means you leave father and mother. Hey, married couples, have you left mom and dad? I mean, have you left mom and dad? When you're married, do you go back to mom, go back to dad for the great counsel and insight? Hey, there's a time for that, but your first person is your spouse. You, you leave mom and dad. And you cleave to your wife and your husband. You're a team. You're a unit now. You have a new identity. Two unique people put in a silver stainless steel bowl. <laughs> and you are made anew into a couple in a new unit in that. And you weave with that. You leave, you cleave, and you weave. Listen, weaving in this never ends. If you think you get to the point where it's like, I know her. I know him. Oh, Dude, oh guys, if that's you, wake up. Because she's changing all the time. And by the way, so are you. So are you. Leave, cleave, and weave. Singles, are you in that process of leaving your parents? And I'm not just saying physically, but mentally. I will say for you, do you have a cleaving reality with relationships around you? Or are you standoff, far away? Who you are as a single is who enters the marriage. Are you a weave person? Do you interact with people singles? Are you engaged with them and weaving with them and growing with them and doing relationship with them? Chapter 3. And just read... Verses 1 through 13 here. Let's take a look at the team. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he said to who? Where is Adam? I think he's watching ESPN here right now. Uh, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Spot on, girls. Spot on. Where's Adam? Let's see if we find him. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. That's interesting. And he ate. By the way, you will not hear me smack talking Eve in any of this. And I would encourage you if you joke about Eve with this, it's like, yeah, that's what a woman does. I'm just going to say it lovingly, stop it. None of that kind of talk. Where was Adam? Dude. Dude. Where were you, man? 
I have no problem getting hard on the guy. Dude, where were you in this whole thing? Then the eyes of both were open. They knew what they were. They knew they were naked. Well, they were naked before anyway. And they sewed fig leaves together, made for themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and his wife did what? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to who? That's interesting. And said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. I didn't want you to see me naked. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Um, uh, have you eaten of the tree of the which I commanded you not to eat? Did God know? Pfft, yeah. The man said, the woman, it's her fault. The woman that you gave me. Dude, zip it. Totally zip it. The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit and they ate and, and uh, I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, well, he talks to her too, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. It's nine o'clock here, so let me hit this quickly. Satan goes after one of the teammates and wars with them with some bad theology, some bad thinking. And at first, Eve is spot on back. And I just ask in this again, Adam, where were you when your wife needed you? Where were you? By the way, let me also say this. Eve, why did you not bring your husband in? I mean, after all, it's a talking snake. Like, that is freaky. <laughs> okay. Eve, why are you going it alone? Bring your teammate into this. And by the way, notice, who does the Lord go calling for first? Adam. Listen, ladies, that's the time you want to be Adam. Totally is. That's the time. And we're going to see tomorrow in Ephesians about, where it talks about some headship thing. And I think this is what it's talking about. Your neck is on the chopping block first. You have first responsibility. Oh, but by the way, God also went to Eve. Listen, this is not a who's better than. This is a both are unique. But there is also in this, this is the time where you don't want to be the Adam. You want to be the Eve in this. But God comes there first. And, and so Adam responds, verse 12, blames God and his teammate. Eve responds and blames Satan. Satan made me do it. So what happens is verse 14 through 19, I'll just tell you, God addresses each of them. Both are responsible. Both are fully responsible. And it's not the kind of thing where God in it, uh, Adam says, it was her fault. And God's like, yeah, okay, keep going. I'll, I'll go with that. You're right. No, stop that, Adam. And she, she's not like, well, it's Satan's fault. He's like, listen, that, that doesn't work either, girl. We're both responsible before the Lord. Both are teammates, and yet each are responsible. But I want to point one of the things out, verse 20 and 21. The man called uh, his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Let me make this point. God did not dump the team. God did not dump the team. Right at this point, God did not go, you know what, you messed up, boom, you're out of here. 
fried to a smithereens. I'm tired of you already. No, no, no. God actually steps in and, and takes blood and skin and covers them. Boy, there's the gospel right there, by the way. And God restores them back. Listen, this is a broken couple. And I just want to say, if you're having a hard time, you're at a hard place in your relationship, welcome. Welcome to the very beginning. It's part of it. We're broken people and and married folks, you're married to a broken guy, ladies. Guys, you're married to a broken woman. Singles, you're broken. And you're looking for a broken uh, partner if, if the Lord would have you get married. We're all broken, right? Right? Okay, I got to wrap it. Four quick things about just quick statements about broken people. Number one, broken people struggle to be alone removers. Broken people struggle to be alone removers. We're called to remove the loneliness, but we struggle with it. Secondly, broken people tend to go it alone. Broken people tend to go it alone. Third, broken people generally blame shift. It's not my fault. It's her fault. It's not my fault. It's his fault. And lastly, broken people struggle to be team players. Broken people struggle to be team players. And yet we're called to be a team. Now do you see why it's so hard? No, really. Do you see why it's so hard? Because it goes all the way back to the beginning. Married couples. Your marriage is a big deal to the Lord. It's a big deal to the Lord. And I'm asking you, see it as a big deal. It is. You are to be a team. And by the way, if you're like, yeah, but Doug, she's not a team player. Yeah, yeah, but Doug, he's not a team player. Listen, 1 Peter 3 it. 1 Peter 3 it. In other words, they'll be responsible before the Lord, but you're to be a team player. You're to be a team player. Matthew 7, log out of your own eye. I'm going to leave it there. So first word is what? Team. Team. Um, what's a passage that's key to the whole marriage relationship? Matthew 7 would be one. What would be another one? Genesis 1 through 3. Okay, tomorrow we're going to hit one more text and the two other key words. We're at foundations. And I'm going to ask you tonight, if you would, or if you're going to hang around and take some time to pray, but uh, if you're going to head on out, that's fine. You're not more spiritual if you stay around. Okay? But I'm going to just ask you tonight, would you, before the Lord, examine yourself? Ask yourself, single, 
married, whatever. What's one area that you can be a better team player in? Just one. What's one area that you can be start being a better team player? Just one. Okay? Lord, um, it's been a long day. It's late. Lots of things have been happening in our lives today. And the cool thing is, is you care about every little detail and bit of it all. And yet, at the very beginning of creation, there was this thing that we call marriage that you put together, that you invented, that you created, that you made. And it's a big deal to you. We were created to be people in relationship. And one of the most key ones of those is marriage. And I just pray we would leave here tonight seeing the verticalness of marriage, not just the horizontalness of it. Help us to see that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.